Today, it's May 16th, 2023. I'm Derek Fildebrandt, publisher of the Western Standard, and you're watching the Alberta Report, our daily election updates here. Uh, we're going to be talking about big promises from the campaigns today. Smith promising mandatory treatment for addicts, Rachel Notley promising to kill the small business tax, and massive contradictions in the polls, depending on who you're listening to. Anyone's winning. Uh, before... We've got the Western Standards uh, news editor, Dave Naylor here. Dark. Western Standard uh, business reporter, Sean Polzer here. Morning. And we're going to be joined in a few moments by uh, one of our Calgary reporters, Jonathan Bradley. Before we get going, though, uh, just I want you to give us a quick update on what's going on with the wildfires in the north. Uh, an evacuation of sorts of progress. Yeah, Operation Move. That, we're... that was my line, Operation Move. <laughs> you need more move. You stole my line. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, they're evacuating uh, livestock up in some of the northern areas. There's uh, twice as many cattle as there are people in this province, and mm -hmm. uh, they have whole emergency management plans for moving uh, farm animals and livestock. So Ooh, okay. I'm going to be following up on that today. All right. Things are bad up there. Nay, <laughs> <sighs> hey, doubt about it. Time to move on. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sean, you were at uh, the UCP Danielle Smith, uh, UCP leader Danielle Smith's uh, press conference yesterday. Uh, she was uh, promising a Compassionate Intervention Act that would see um, uh, addicts uh, who pose a danger to themselves or to others uh, forced into mandatory treatment. Uh, it's a controversial proposal, but uh, tell us about it. Yeah, it is a controversial Controversial. Um, she had mentioned it before. This was the first time that she said that uh, they were actually going to introduce legislation. Uh, there's some question over the constitutionality of it, um, but she thinks that under Section 7, um, guaranteed security of the person and uh, freedom and pursuit of happiness and that, that uh, they are justified in, in taking this Pursuit step. of happiness is an is in the American Declaration of Independence. I'm trying to think of what the exact <laughs> word was. Of Peace, it. order, and good government? No, That's the Canadian. section 7, it was about the security of the person. Okay. Well-being and security of the person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, she figures that it will be able to withstand a, a court challenge on constitutional grounds. It definitely will face a court challenge. Uh, well, to be clear, this is going on as we speak yeah. with you uh, minors. As an adult, you can make a, an appearance before court and a judge can can put an addict into mandatory treatment. Mm -hmm. So what they would be doing is extending it into adults, uh, not just children. And you would have to appear before a non-criminal judge, make your application, and then the judge would uh, would have the final say. And then you'd be, uh, if if the judge agrees, yeah, then you'd go into a forced, forced treatment. And these plan. applications, I believe, could be put forward by family, police, and... Family doctors, psych and, and psychologists. Doctor. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm a little leery on it. I'm open to it. I'm a little leery on it, though. You know, you're, it's it's forcing someone to do things. Uh, you'd think all the people who um, believed in mandatory vaccination for adults who are not addicts and do have control over their faculties should be supportive of this. Uh, I'm not, not sure where they generally stand, but uh, I'm open to it because these are not adults in control of themselves. Addicts have lost control. They're not consent. They're no longer able to consent to anything. Um, they're, they're not in control of themselves. Uh, well, you know, Smith is a libertarian though. So how, how did she kind of square 
square those two that, that might exact, come into that exact point that uh, these people they've lost control of their faculties and that they aren't able to make these rational kinds of decisions to basically take care of themselves and they're not only a danger to themselves or a danger to others absolutely right? because they're the ones that are downtown they're the ones that are uh, resorting to crime to feed their drug habits they're the ones that are you know hang, you know hanging out at the LRT stations causing all sorts of havoc uh, so it's not just it's not just the addict it's the you know society around them so I, I know the the threshold they said they're going to set in a compassionate intervention act if they're reelected and pass this is that they have to pose a danger to themselves or to others uh, I suppose there probably would be some addicts who don't fit either who some addicts who probably scrape by without too much threat to themselves or a threat to others, but I, I know in most cases there there will be at least a threat to themselves, if if, if not others. Um, any reaction from the NDP or uh, other organizations to this? Um, <laughs> well, they uh, so so part of it was uh, the safe supply that um, um, Smith said there is no such thing as a safe supply that uh, the Alberta government will never hand out free drugs to these. So mm -hmm. the difference between um, harm mitigation and uh, and intervention, right? And so... Well, I, I, I think I saw NDP leader Rachel Notley uh, say something to the effect of, uh, well, there's elements we can support, like uh, increased treat... There's a, uh, This comes with also, uh, what, a thousand new treatment beds? 10,000 yeah. full-funded. 10, Jeez, I can't, no, it can't even, be 10,000. That, that's a wild number. Can't, couldn't be. She said, well, she says she's added, and then they're going to... Hmm. There's okay. but anyway, beds, not, not there's only said she would support increased beds and whatnot, but I think uh, she shied away from directly condemning mandatory treatment for addicts. Didn't support it, but I think she just kind of took a wobbly position, Dave. Eh? Well, I, I think this is a, one of the, the few things where there's a clear black and white. NDP supports safe consumption sites, and we know what that has done traditionally to neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Around the Beltline, it has turned it into a bit of a zombie zone, too. Uh, Nolly denied that they would, they're in favor of a safe uh, supply of drugs. She denied she's, she's uh, into that. But yeah, she, she basically said uh, uh, in, intervention doesn't work. Uh, you need, uh, you know, the sort of, and, and she, she equated it to like 40 or 50 hardcore drug addicts. And you have to give those people all the, you know, the safe drugs or the safe consumption sites uh, the, that they need. So Two very con uh, contradictory uh, platforms. I mean, we've tried war <clears throat> on drugs strategy since, say, the 60s, where we tried jailing people who do drugs, not just the dealers, the pushers, drug lords, but users. That clearly does not work. You're more likely to get even further addicted to drugs once you're in prison. So that, that doesn't work. Uh, we've tried the safe supply, safe consumption. Well, we just have to look, you know, 100 meters in every direction around the current building here to see what the results of that have been. This might work, but I, I'm also hesitant, though. I mean, if it's hard to help someone who doesn't want to be helped. That's that's yeah. the problem. Like, I mean, uh, you know, an alcoholic is not going to get on the wagon unless they want to get on the wagon, generally. it's uh, Unless they're forced to. Well, right, and this is what the, this program does. It takes someone who's not willing to make, take that first step, and it forces them to take that first step. I was going to say right. with alcoholism that you know that is the first step is to actually seek help. To seek help, but that, that, that requires someone to want it. Uh, this might 
it might work. Um, I think it's worth trying because nothing, something, don't <laughs> nothing else has worked. Uh, you know, the war on drugs has totally failed, and coddling and almost aiding and abetting uh, addiction has not worked. So I don't know. I think Maybe. one of the things that struck me, and I'm sure it did you, Sean, was the. Uh, uh, the emotions shown at this press conference. There were, there were people crying. At one point, uh, uh, the premier had tissues handed to her. Some very, very powerful stories of what addiction had, had done to families and how the, the you know, individual teenagers and families were saved because of uh, mandatory uh, treatment. And also First Nations, uh, Blood right. Reserve had April 23rd declared a local state of emergency because of uh, the drug problems that were happening on the reserve. Yeah, if you've got around some of our reserves, you've seen it's, jeez, uh, <laughs> the zombie land we've got around downtown Calgary here is nothing. Yeah, and there were four four chiefs uh, there yesterday supporting And they're supporting uh, it. They're, they're totally on board with this. Yeah. Um, one thing that I was going to notice, uh, note, it was um, under Notley, apparently, um, Addicts had to pay $40 a day out of pocket to uh, get treatment beds, which I thought was a little bit at odds with her. I can, uh, $40, I can imagine addicts want to spend $40 a day on something other than treatment. <laughs> Probably, but it also seems at odds with uh, her promise that people aren't going to pay out of pocket for health care. So is, is mental health not health care? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're going to move on here. We're going to bring in uh, one of our Calgary reporters, Jonathan Bradley here. Jonathan was at uh, NDP leader Rachel Notley's press conference at a place called, funny enough, Madam Premier, uh, which was not meant, I think, in the uh, political sense of the word, but uh, Premier as in like showing something, you're premiering something. Uh, Jonathan, uh, you were uh, at uh, Notley's press conference where she promised to eliminate the small business tax. Uh, that takes, so the way the small business tax works in Alberta is businesses pay 2% tax uh, to the province. This is in addition to the federal business tax. Yep. You pay 2% on the first $500,000 of your net income or profit, after which the regular business tax or corporate tax kicks in, which is normally about 8%. Uh, Jonathan, uh, tell us, uh, flesh out this uh, promise made by Notley a bit for us. So Notley said that she would be eliminating the small business tax for 100,000 small businesses. And these include industries such as retail establishments, restaurants, mechanic shops, family farms, and others. It's expected to save small businesses $10,000 per year. Um, the tax rate will be reduced from 2% to zero. And she said she would be doing this measure to help out struggling small businesses recover from the COVID-19 pandemic. She acknowledged that this will be for certain industries and other ones such as professional associations, such as lawyers and accountants, wouldn't be eligible. So what she would do with them is she would bring back this STEP program, and the STEP program would allow uh, certain businesses to receive a wage subsidy for employing students in their chosen field of study. Uh, Dave, it's not usual to see an NDP leader propose to do anything to a tax other than increase it. Uh, Probably smart politics, though. I mean, uh, Notley to win cannot win with just unionized government employees in Edmonton. She's got to get middle class people, at least a portion of small business owners on side. Uh, think it's a winner for her? Sure. Anytime you promise to cut somebody's tax and leave more uh, money in their trousers, that's got to be a winner, right? Just, I would think so. And it's a fairly modest amount, really, in the scheme of things. 
it's tens of millions. It's not hundreds of millions. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's two percent on the first five hundred thousand. Uh, bigger businesses are going to obviously be bringing in more than five hundred thousand. They're going to be paying the full rate already. So it's not a, it's not a it's not going to be a big hit to the treasury here. Um, I have to think though, Jonathan, that uh, the value in this might not. Some small business owners, uh, not to be too flippant about it, but uh, you know, uh, brew pub or uh, I don't know, uh, a Birkenstock uh, distributor, they, they, small business owners of that kind, you know, like what we associate as lefty businesses, might, might vote for, but it's not a ton. But I, I, I would think it, the political effect of this is going to be more symbolic that Rachel Donnelly is not against small businesses uh a label that she pro she largely wore in her four years as premier yes well with her she talked about how she's going to support small businesses and how the Alberta united conservative party has failed them and she spoke about how this goes along with her commitment to not raise income taxes or bring in a sales tax but she has said she is going to raise the business tax um yes she, she has yeah. Uh, well, I just generally refer to it as business tax. If you're a business and you have more than $500,000 profit in a year, you're regardless of how big you are, you might be a big company only eking out that. Uh, so it might be a lot if you're a business of one person or two people. <clears throat> that might be very little if you're a business of 100 or 200. Um, but uh, Sean, uh, has she said by what amount she'll raise the business tax by yet? Uh, Other than that, that she will raise it. I have not actually heard her. The only thing I've heard her say is that she's not going to raise taxes. So I don't know if that's just personal taxes or I, I wouldn't know what uh, the number was. Unless... Yeah, I certainly haven't heard a number that uh, she's been. Yeah, about. she's been just kind of cagey around yeah. it. She, you know, asked about taxes. She says, I will not raise your income taxes, which is fair enough, because income taxes are pretty much the level they were at when she left the premier's office, Jason Kenney. Jason Kenney actually raised personal income taxes by a little bit with bracket creep, uh, but they're almost the same relatively as when Rachel Notley left office. But uh, but she's been kind of cagey, more or less implying she will probably raise business taxes, but it hasn't really said how much. No, and no sales tax. She's pretty emphatic about that, and that's kind of probably well, that's a political more. death sentence yeah. uh, as soon as you order those words. Uh, well, so was a carbon tax in Alberta. Yes. I guess we didn't uh, campaign on the carbon tax. Yes, true. Um, true. Yeah, although Rachel Nolley's, uh retort to that was, yes, but I didn't say I wouldn't bring in right. a carbon tax. So if you don't explicitly say you won't do something, it's just not talked about, then it's implied in your mandate. You can you can do that thing then. Okay, Jonathan, thank you for joining us. Um, we're going to switch it up to more dueling polls. Yesterday, we were talking dueling polls as well. There's a big rash of polls. Well, there's more. So yesterday, I'd say there was kind of two big polls. Uh, the Western Standard uh, had provided exclusively to us uh, a poll from Sovereign North Research. Um, it's a new polling, a pretty a relatively new polling forum, but uh, a lot of the pollsters behind it are very experienced. It's pretty good work. Um, they had... Um, the NDP at uh, 50% and the UCP at 45. Now that would be by far the high watermark for the NDP in Alberta's history. When they formed government in 2015, it was 40, maximum 41%, somewhere right around there. But that was in a multi-party system. You had 
competitive progressive conservatives, competitive Wild Rose. You had Alberta Party playing in there. You had the Liberals playing in there. Um, so, you know, you, you, it takes less of the vote to win a majority government if you have a multi-party system. In a strict two-party system, which we seem to be in now, yeah, you need almost approaching 50% of the vote. But this, this will be 10% more than they've ever had with a 3% lead in Calgary. Uh, but then by contrast, we have Janet Brown. Now, Janet Brown, these polls are not normally very public because these are private polls she does for her clients. But this was leaked. And this happens to her polls every once in a while when there's a result that someone wants to get out there. I think someone in the UCP looked at that and said, well, that'll give our troops a shot in the arm. Let's leak this. So I'm going to, without any evidence, but significant hard circumstantial evidence, the UCP or someone in the UCP probably put this out there. And that has uh, not just the UCP in the lead, but the UCP in a strong lead, 50% to 40%, including a lead in Calgary, 51 to 39 and if that's true, the, if that's true, and that holds up, like the election would be over. I mean, that's a crushing UCP majority right there. Uh, Dave, what the hell do you think explains all oh, these contradiction in polls? I have no idea. I just know on uh, May 30th, somebody's going to wake up with eggs on their face. Mm -hmm. uh, one of these, these companies. Uh, the, the sovereign poll is interesting in that it's got a large... Uh, large huge sample size. 2,900, which is huge. Huge for polling. That, that's the biggest Alberta poll I've ever seen. Yeah, but on the other hand, Janet Brown, very, very respected, mm -hmm. and just nailed the last election, you know, to the letter. So, if you're asking me to explain it, I can't. Maybe they're just getting different people on different days, and you know, I'm sure by the time we get out of this broadcast uh, today, there'll be two more polls <laughs> on my desk, and they'll both say the exact opposite thing. Well, I'm not sure there'll be egg on their face yet, because the only one that'll count would be your last one before election day. So the election's on the 29th, if, and if someone releases a poll on the 28th, that's the one that's going to get measured against it. Because the polls go up and down during campaigns. The problem is, I mean, there's there's a 10-point spread between these two polls. There's a, I mean, one is the NDP winning a majority, not crushing, but winning a majority government. The other one is the UCP crushing the NDP in a historical and spectacular fashion. Uh I mean, the one from Sovereign North uh, that we released is more consistent with the other polls, Sean. But uh, Janet Brown is a incredibly respected pollster. Uh, people pay good money for her data. Uh, your thoughts? I think you have to cancel out the high and the low. You have to take uh, the lowest one out and the highest one out and then go with the reversion to the mean on, on the rest of them that are in the middle. I, I, I can't explain the difference either other than some kind of methodology. Well, I, I think it also, some of it might just be the timing. Um, <clears throat> the Sovereign North poll was a, is a rolling poll over, I think, a longer period of time. Um, I think the Janet Brown poll was more, more recent. Uh, but I would have thought the more recent one, like the NDP appeared to have more momentum. So I think the more recent the poll is, the stronger that would favor the NDP here. But, but who says they have momentum? The other polls, right? right? I don't know yeah. whether those polls were. Right. But there's also the uh, the je ne sais quoi of of campaign momentum. It's just how it feels. And Daniel Smith has had a rough go of it the last week, week and a half. Um, you know, videos of past statements that have been controversial that she's apologized for, and these things just kind of, you know, you talk to guys on the the doorsteps in the UCP campaigns right now. Uh, some of them are not feeling terribly spirited. 
She's been very defensive. I'm, I have to agree that she's kind of been put on a back foot, uh, not just because of these videos and, and whatever else and, and having to backtrack, but also because of the fires. Yeah, she's she's not able to devote her full attention to campaigning. She's spending half her time being premier. Well, I think uh, we'll get a better sense of things uh, with the debate coming up. That is not tomorrow, but the day after, the 18th, we're going to have live coverage of the debate. Uh, we'll be carrying the debate live here on the Western Standard, but we'll also uh, be sticking around later for our thoughts, if anyone really cares what we have to say. My mom does. Well, Mama Naylor is uh, one of our most loyal watchers from the beginning. All right, Dave, Sean, thank you very much for joining. And thank you. Thank all of you for joining us today. Uh, if you're not yet a member of the Western Standard, be sure to go to West, uh, westernstandard.news, click on membership. It's only $10 a month or $100 a year for unlimited access to all Western Standard content. Thank you very much for joining us today, and God bless. Well, it's a little bit of a smoky day out there today, and it seems to have smoked out the bulls out of this market as well, with markets starting to settle down a little bit after a couple strong days. And we got cash barley holding steady at 407 a metric, feed wheats holding at 408 a metric, and corn's actually down to 390 per metric. Taking a look at the milling wheat markets, July Minneapolis futures slid two cents to 871 per bushel, with local hard red spring bid for May movement at 1030 per bushel delivered. Moving over to the oil seeds, nearby canola futures slid 70 cents to $730 per metric ton with delivered values for May movement at $16.35 per bushel. Continuing on to the pulse markets, nearby red lentil prices are trading at 34 cents per pound and yellow peas remain at 11.50 per bushel. Finishing up with the cattle markets, June life cattle are down 42.5 cents to 163.90 per hundredweight. For more information on pricing and picked up on farm options, give me a call at 403-394-1711. I'm Mike Van Dyke at Marketplace Commodities. Accurate real-time marketing information and pricing options. Canadian Shooting Sports Association. Without the CSSA, our gun rights would have been taken long, long ago. These guys are on the front lines helping to draft smart and intelligent firearms regulations and legislation in Canada and more importantly, educating the public about how we keep guns out of the hands of the wrong people. To become a member, it's absolutely worth every penny. You can become a Western Standard member for just $10 a month or $99 a year for unlimited access.